0: I was thinking about, I don't know if you know this or not, but our church is 97 years old. I don't know if you knew that or not. But this church was started, I'm told from Pastor Jim Sucraw, that this church was started in 1920. And it it began on on the east end of town over here in what they call a a tent revival. And what's amazing to me is when I go to, to different conferences and things... They tell you that the average lifespan of a family, of a church family, is 70 years. Any, The average of any church denomination is about 70 years. And obviously in three years, we'll celebrate 100 years uh, as a family, as a church family. And so I got to thinking about that in terms of today. What makes for a, a great family and what are the key things that have sustained this family, I obviously wasn't born until 1977, and so there was about 57 years, obviously, before I was even born, and I didn't even come here uh, until I was like in 1990, 1991. What has sustained uh, this family over the years? Or what would sustain any family, maybe in your family, regardless of your current dynamic, whether you're happy with it or not? What are the keys? What are the values that keep a family strong. And so I was thinking about this today um, and wanted to talk to you a little bit about that today. And so with that being said, there's several things that make this family continue to, to grow and to see God do awesome things. We're going to celebrate some of those today. Uh, the first thing is is one of our core values, which is simply to love God first. Let's read that together. We will love God first. Man, when you see a family that's, you know, healthy, or you look at a family and say, man, I'd like to have what that family has. Or I'd like to, you know, to have a relationship like that with with my kids or my spouse. Or maybe you have that relationship. Um, And at the top of that probably is love. You see, when we love God, amazing things happen. And you know this, um, just in the love of your, that you have for your kids or your grandkids, love just makes us do all kinds of crazy things, doesn't it? Jesus talked about this love, this great love that should be above every other kind of love. In fact, there were some people that were gathering with him, and they said, "Hey, man, what's the what's the keys? What are the most important things? In fact, what would you say is the greatest thing?" And Jesus, that's right, God, that's right, Brecken, you're right, God. Good job. Give in a hand. Good job. That is awesome. He's right. God. Love for God. Jesus said this. He said, you must love the Lord your God a certain way. With all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I didn't know any of the pastors before Pastor Jim... Pastor Jim, who just retired, I don't know if they've got back from Alaska yet or not, they're still in Alaska on a cruise, but he'd been here since 1983. And I'm sure prior to him, there were other pastors that were the same. But one of the key things that I think has held this church together, and if you don't know this, can hold your family together or restore your family, is love. You see, when we love God first, unusual things happen we've seen that happen over the years and maybe you've seen it um, in other places you've been like marriages that are restored when we love God first and we put him first it's amazing how we how we begin to see the other person through God's eyes instead of ours we see over the years not just this church lots of healthy churches people who've been um, addicted or struggle with addictions maybe you have or you are struggling with an addiction When we love God first, we begin to understand His power. And we've seen people who have been delivered from addictions. When we love God first, He begins to call us to so many things like leadership. Like caring for other people. Which is our second thing that I think this church and many other healthy churches and healthy families model. Which is to serve people. Let's read that together. We will serve people that's one of the most important things we can do is to love God and love others. You know, we've all said or heard people say, don't just say you love me. Don't just tell me you're sorry. I want to see a change. We know love is an action. And as we love God, we begin to love others. And love becomes an action of service. In fact, Jesus, he modeled this in Matthew when he said, for even the Son of Man came, check this out, the Son of Man, Jesus, God, the Messiah, the Savior, Jehovah-Jireh, Emmanuel, God with us. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for how many? How many? Many. Many. See, Jesus came to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And what's so crazy is, as we love God and as we connect who He is, we become, as uh, Pastor Adam mentioned, mentioned last week, we become His hands and His feet. We've seen God do some awesome things through this group That's here and over the years and in other churches and other bodies of people. And I share this with you not to brag about us or some other church, but to give God glory for what he can do when we love him and we begin to serve him. All kinds of amazing things happen. I want to just share with you a few things that God is doing and does when we when we begin to share with other people how he can multiply that. A while back we flash mobbed a family who was struggling and I got a card from from this family. And we had close to 65 or 70 of you um, who gathered together. Some of you weren't able to come, but you gave some resources and we were able to bless this family and this person sent back. I don't know how to say what's on my heart. Just like the card says, thank you is not enough. But for whatever reason, you guys of the Lord, found favor in me. And the struggles I faced, the aloneness I felt, came to a point where I felt as if I was sinking and overwhelmed. And we've all been there, haven't we? I appreciate each and every one of you for not knowing me, but caring enough about me. I don't feel I deserve this blessing. You don't know my past. But I can assure you, because of all Of your following your heart and trusting in the Lord. I'm now able to catch up on bills. My electric bill is paid. I'm not going to lose those things. I'm getting my insurance back. Thank you so much. Isn't God awesome when we serve? Yeah, it's okay. If you're, if you'll just let me divulge here for just a second, we sent 281 backpacks, plus a few more, to the middle school this last week, and um, we got some letters from them. Pitt Naz, I can't tell you what a blessing the backpacks have been to our kids. They were so excited to pick them out. And we had lots of parents who were so relieved because they didn't know how they'd be able to afford the supplies. And many came and picked them up ahead of time. And they were, there were some students we, um, we saw walk in the first day without anything. So we snagged them so they could start their day with everything they needed. We were able to share some with the high school and have some left over to give our new students that came throughout the year thanks for your generosity Teresa Bailey, Pittsburgh Middle School counselor. Amazing things happen when God is first in a person's life. This is a child. This is a student who actually sent a thank you card to us. He said, hi. Thank you for giving me school supplies. It helps me a lot. I now use it every day. You guys are awesome. Last one. Dear Pitnaz, thank you so much for the overwhelming amount of backpacks and supplies sent to the middle school. As a teacher, I was able to provide a backpack and supplies to these three students on the first day without waiting or wondering where to get all they needed. I also appreciate the extra money spent to buy quality backpacks and quality trapper keepers. These will last all year. God bless your kindness and generosity. Sincerely, Lynette Westcott. When we serve people, there's no greater way to share who God is and what he's done for us. Not that long ago, I got a letter in the mail from a a kid. His name's Corbin Sprague. And Corbin was sentenced to 27 and a half years in prison for being involved in a murder not all that long ago. And he was a bus kid. Remember, we're talking about serving people. He was a bus kid that we bussed in, and Pastor Jim, who left a large footprint here in this church, just kept loving him and picking him up. And pretty soon, after a while, the church began to get around him, and he was quite the knucklehead and was a discipline problem at times. And then, of course, we hear on the news about what happened here. And in some ways, you almost feel like, did nothing happen there? Was it a waste? But here's what happens when you put your faith in Christ and you serve others. Pastor Kyle, I hope this letter finds you in the church doing well. There's no doubt in my mind that it is. I'm writing to let you know today I finally took the big step. He's writing this from prison. I have finally embraced Christ and plan to live for him. I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And I, can't, I can honestly tell you I'm already happier than I've ever been despite what I'm currently at in my life. If it weren't for Pastor Jim and the rest of the church, I don't know if I'd be here at this point spiritually. I learned so much from you guys. And I have to be honest, it didn't seem that way when he was here. It may not have seemed at that time, but it all stuck with me. I just want to thank you and everyone else for the patience you guys showed me. God knows how hard it must have been trying to get through to me. And those of you who worked in that ministry or worked with Corbin or other Corbin's It's difficult. It's messy. Again, thank you. Please pray for me. I don't ever want to lose this happiness I now possess. And being in prison, it's a struggle every day. I'm still learning and I still struggle, but I'm determined to hang on. And I know God will give me the strength. Thank you again. Why did he write us? Because we all made a difference. In his life, whether we saw the fruit of it or not. See, sometimes when we serve others, I know I'm digressing, but I'm okay with that. Sometimes when we serve others, we don't see the fruit right away. But the seeds are planted. This morning, before we move on to the next thought, we have an opportunity to bless a family at the end of this service who's struggling with a financial need regarding a funeral bill. And so if you'd like to give to that need today this and meet this need, they're about $820 short. It's a family that's um, just started coming to our church not all that long ago, and, and it's a legitimate need. Back there, there's a box, a brown box, that you can just donate whatever you'd like to, uh, to that and continue to bless. But we will serve people. Then next, we will never walk alone. Let's read that. We will never walk alone alone. God did not intend us to walk alone all the time. In fact, Isaiah says, don't be afraid. I love this verse when when I'm feeling alone or feeling like, you know, I've got stress and struggle. Don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. As we think about that today, who is walking with you? And who are you walking with? Who is walking? That's right, Brecken. Jesus. He's got it today. He said, Jesus. Who is walking with you? And who are you walking with? And then we will always welcome others inside and outside our church family. Let's say that. We will always welcome others inside and outside our church family. As we think about that today, I want to share just a, a quick story from Scripture. There's a man named Levi in the New Testament. Levi was a tax collector, and if Levi was in town today and you invited him to church, he, here's what he would say. I probably shouldn't go to church because if I do, uh, God's going to strike me dead. Right? Right? If I step foot in the building, God's going to strike me dead. Levi was a tax collector. He was a notorious sinner. He was a notorious person that was a, you know just kind of living his life however he wanted. And he hung out with all kinds of different types of shady people. But Jesus encounters him and he sees something in Levi that other people haven't seen in him. Have you had somebody see something in you that you didn't see in yourself or others didn't see in you? everybody looked at Levi and said this is a worthless piece of junk but Jesus saw something else in him the same way that he sees it in every one of us and he says hey i tell you what follow me and so Levi does and the the you know the the religious people right the church people they begin to judge Jesus and, and Levi and his friends for this. And Levi gets so excited that he invites Jesus to his house along with these other people that you know, are kind of these notorious people. And the, and the Pharisees say to Jesus, why would you, in fact one version calls it scum, why would you invite that scum? Why would you go with that scum to his house? And here's what Jesus says. When Jesus heard that he told them healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do I have not come to call those I have not I've come not I have come to call not those who think everybody say think think who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners I think about that in terms of our church today and and trying to reach people and let them know who God's love is and what it's about. Who's the Levi God is calling you to welcome? Maybe it's the person at Walmart. Maybe it's a child in your class. Maybe it's the person that's done you wrong. Jesus models to us in the same way that He welcomed a Levi Despite his past, he calls us to continue to welcome people regardless of their background and regardless of their story. And you know what happens is we begin to love God and we begin to serve? We stop forgetting. We start forgetting all the things in our own life that are plaguing us. It's amazing when you start to help somebody else, your own problems begin to fade. And that's called maturity. And we begin to grow in his image and grow in his likeness. And our roots begin to grow down into him. And our lives begin to be built on him. And our faith begins strong. And we begin to model what we've seen others model for us. And we become over, overflowing with thankfulness. So this morning, imagine what would happen if we continued, and and maybe those that that aren't really doing this, if you would begin to not just invite people to our church, but more importantly, whether you invite them to our church or not, that you would begin to, to love and to serve those around you with no agenda. Imagine what would happen. If we continued, since 1920, if we continued to take seriously the call to connect ordinary, broken, sinful people like you and me, and connect them to this amazing, extraordinary God that can change their life and give them hope and purpose. I'll tell you what would happen. It's like in the book of Acts. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Many of you have heard of the movie Schindler's List. If you haven't, it's a a story about a man named Oscar Schindler. And he's actually, he was a real person. And Oscar owned this factory. Okay, I'm just going to give you the general guidelines of it. And he's credited for saving like around 1,200 Jews. And he basically went bankrupt trying to get, you know, people into his factory to save them. And if you watch the movie, and it's not necessarily exactly what happened, but the movie kind of paints a picture of what possibly could have happened. And he's getting ready to retreat and leave because they're going to come find him and they're going to kill him. But before he leaves, All the people that he saves want to say thank you. And so in this final scene, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. There's around 1,200 people all circled around Oscar. And one of them is elected to just read something to him that basically says, thank you so much for saving our lives. And rather than taking the time to say, you know what? I did awesome, didn't I? You're lucky you have me. That's not what he did. He said, I could have saved more. And he starts going through. This ring is two more people. And he starts going through all these things. Two more people, one more person, and all that kind of a thing. And it's this powerful ending scene. Jesus said in John 3.16, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone can we say that? Everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Can I tell you something today? As we connect ourselves to God we become haunted by those words on the screen. Everyone. Everyone. You see, if you're missing one, it's not everyone. Grandparents, when you gather your family together and if you have an adult child who's not there but everybody else is there, it's not everyone. I shared with you earlier about my father-in-law, Mark, who's got five siblings plus himself and he has all these people that gather together at Christmas time and I can't think of one time where they've not all been there that Betty who's just celebrated her 85 85 year old birthday she'll make the comment such and such isn't here. And I'm thinking who's not here? This place is packed. Jeannie's daughter couldn't make it. We're missing one. Folks, this is not everyone. There are people that you know around you that need to know God. And let me just say right now, I could care less about having a big group of people. But Jesus calls us To continue to reach out to everyone around us. You know, God doesn't call you to reach everyone. But He does call you to reach someone. Or if you've reached someone, who is the new someone or someones? God doesn't call us to reach everyone. But He calls us to reach someone. I tell my kids, who did you invite to church? Who did you love on today? Who were who you nice to? Who is your everyone? So my question to all of us today, who is your someone? Who is your someone that God has placed something on your heart, not to try to tell them how perfect or imperfect you are. Not to try to explain every little part of the Bible or prayer or anything like that. But who is your someone to just show generosity and love to? What would happen if you would begin to reach them? Maybe they would never come to this church. But maybe they would see the face and the presence of Jesus in you and that seed, it stays planted in their hearts and 10 years from now and they're living in Philadelphia and someone else shows them the same love that you did, God uses that to, water that to water that seed and they begin to follow after Christ. Some of you have seen your kids go on a mission trip or go to camp and you've seen their life be changed and it makes you curious about what it would look like if you did the same some of us in here today we've got a job and we're, we're happy I guess but there's something missing in our life spouse doesn't seem to quench it, our money doesn't seem to quench it, vacations don't seem to quench it, maybe it's even a dull ache. See, there's a spot in all of our hearts that are only reserved for Jesus, and no one else and nothing else can fill that void. And there are people all around us in this city that need to know God's love. My prayer is that God would be the God of this city. I want us to just sit and think about who our someone is as the band plays a song.